0: You're listening to the Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at OBPApparel.com. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money Here comes the money. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life is episode 145, January 24th, 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Let's start with the bad news of the week, Liam, and it's awful news. I don't mean bad as in, oh, I feel sorry for this guy or anything. Of course, obviously. The Enzo Amore news. Enzo Amore was released on Tuesday this week after a sexual assault allegation surfaced uh, around an incident that happened in October that word going around the internet this week was that he was aware of, that WWE was not aware of and when they were made aware that he was aware of it he was he went from being suspended to being released i don't know what we have to add what insight we have i don't but it feels like an important story and the one that we need to touch on
1: yeah there's there's nothing fun or funny or jokey to say about this it's a sucky situation no matter what um but WWE has in the past obviously established what their policy is when it comes to anything like this, assault, uh, domestic violence, anything like that. Um, They've this right. The suspension was expected, and obviously, it it kind of becomes irrelevant whether whether he is guilty of it or whether there is proof of his guilt or, in fact, his innocence at this point because. Uh, not telling your employer that you're accused of something like that and that there's an ongoing police investigation makes you look super guilty. And I think WWE just looked at it as unneeded bad PR. And so they just cut ties with the guy and you can, if you're a cynical guy and you want to make the point, well, maybe if he was a bigger star, they would have gone to bat for him or this wouldn't be happening you you might be right, but unfortunately we don't you know we don't know that because it, it happened to Enzo so yeah I don't there's nothing there's nothing positive or funny like I said there's nothing funny or positive to say about this it's a it's a dumb it was a, a a bad situation and and he made dumb decisions so uh yeah that's that's
0: that wWE gets a lot of flack, often rightly so for botching for botching everything. Uh but I think <laughs> I think they handled this as well as they could given given the circumstances and news of this broke uh the after well news of the accusation and the investigation broke right uh on Monday afternoon in the build up to their biggest episode of Raw in like 5 or 6 years. And uh I'm sure they were less than thrilled that to, to deal with it at that time, but they still dealt with it exactly as they should have. They didn't hide from it. They didn't wait until that show was over before they handled it. They handled it right away, and uh, they handled it the way they should. So, that's uh, that's a serious stuff this week. And I guess we'll know more in the weeks and months to come as the police continue their investigation. And I don't know. I'm not a crime reporter. I don't know I don't know what else we can add, but yeah, it felt, felt like we had to touch on that this week, and now, some, for something completely different. <laughs> Raw 25. So they averaged well over four million viewers for that show. It was the most viewed episode of Raw in quite a while. It didn't top six million viewers at any point as the 1,000th episode of the show did over five years ago. But I'm not sure that they'll ever hit that again. Television has become more <laughs> fragmented. The company's not as popular. Um, but overall, good numbers for Raw. Um, the audience dropped 700,000 viewers from the first hour to the third hour. So, I don't know. They kind of front-loaded the show. It was very weird. Uh, broad thoughts on Raw 25, Lane. What would you think?
1: Not a great show. Uh doesn't really compare... Uh, favorably, as far as rewatchability goes, I think if you compare it to some of the other big anniversary shows they've done, uh, like the 1,000th Raw or the 15th or the 15th anniversary show or uh, the homecoming show they did when they came back to USA, um, doesn't doesn't really compare to those shows in that way. Uh, I didn't hate it. It seemed like there were some people that hated it, and maybe if I had paid eight hundred dollars to sit ringside at the manhattan center i would have hated it but uh i didn't do that and nobody should have so uh i thought it was okay it's it's long it's it felt like every raw to me just with some some extra cameos it's it's too long there was some good stuff there was some boring stuff and there were matches that went longer than they should have and uh I mean, I think if you want to use criticism, it's how they use some of the people. I mean, Chris Jericho showed up in a in a backstage skit for for thirty seconds. Uh, you know, a lot of the cameos that we were promised either were backstage in a poker game with the APA, or they, in the case of the uh, female legends and and the Raw GMs, they just had them come out and wave. Um, so they just, they didn't uh, and in in their place we got like a 10 minute Keith Slater and Rhino versus Apollo Crews match we got a really long boring it wasn't even really that long it just felt long the the Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt match um so i i didn't think it was great but i didn't i didn't hate it if that makes sense
0: i i hear you like i, I was not offended by the show at all i think a lot of fans were put off for whatever reason as you mentioned and not just those that, that paid exorbitant amounts of money to sit ringside or anything like that, but there was a general sense of blah, I think, about this show, and I didn't have that kind of negativity towards it. Um, And on a show that was over three hours and had, had relatively little actual wrestling content, it sounds strange maybe to advocate for even less wrestling, <laughs> but it's kind of weird to me that, you know, In place of, as you mentioned, that Apollo Crews match uh, that enabled the Dudley's cameo, we couldn't have had a more meaningful segment with Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman or something like that. Or, um, instead of that, the women's eight man or eight person tag at the start of the show, that I think was probably the longest match on the show. I don't know why you didn't try to use, uh, Tristratus or, you know, Michelle McCool or whoever uh, in an attempt to... I I feel like that's a a segment that writes itself where you have the legends from the past coming in and cutting some kind of promo with the current talent talking about the importance and the relevance of the Royal Rumble on Sunday. And it's like the kind of thing that... problem is they already had stephanie cut that promo three weeks ago <laughs> or five weeks ago yeah <laughs> i mean it could it could have been hey we're passing the torch to you we we picked up the ball you're taking the ball and you're running with it you're doing something that we never got the chance to do so hit a home run on sunday like that, that writes itself and they didn't do that so i'm confused by some of the choices as you mentioned there and uh yeah but i i don't know it would, is it strange that I'm advocating for less wrestling content on that wrestling show?
1: Uh, I mean, I think, or you could have done or the wrestling matches they chose to use. I mean, guys who could have had long matches that the crowd crowds maybe would have been more into guys like Seth Rollins were in talking segments and, uh, they, they left Braun and Brock and, uh, and Kane till the very end. So uh, as far as the in-ring stuff went, it's just the in-ring stuff they went with. I mean, the stuff people want to see out of Matt Hardy is not long singles matches. Um, uh, Bray Wyatt either, probably. I don't know what anyone wants to see out of Bray Wyatt, but I'm pretty sure it's not wrestling matches. Um, So, yeah, I I understand what you mean. Uh, If the matches were long and meaningful, I mean, there was the Reigns and Miz match, obviously. Miz um, won the Intercontinental title for like the 35th time and uh, and uh, that was fine but uh, yeah I, I understand what you're saying and just I mean it feels like usually on these anniversary shows we get sort of the big comedy segment where you know the Godfather comes out and dances with the New Day or something and you know and then the fashion police show up and then Ron Simmons comes out and says damn and you got some of that in the but a lot of the the legends were kept to the to the backstage stuff, and then obviously they kind of all came out and stood around uh, for the main event angle. Um, I guess that's that can be looked as a as as the plus is that they there weren't a lot of uh, current stars being overly embarrassed or made to look foolish by the past stars. Uh, Finn Balor got the quote unquote rub. Uh, the Balor Club got the rub from DX, and and they, uh, the last move hit is Finn Balor's coup de grace in that in that segment with uh, with the revival in DX, and I mean the the most watched Raw in several years ends with Braun Strowman standing tall. Now, if Braun just loses on Sunday, I might question that decision, but they did end with you know a, a newer guy standing tall. So that's, that's something they, they seem to put a little bit into, into that torch passing stuff. But yeah, not as much as you would expect. And certainly with the Rumble on Sunday, you would think, knowing they have more viewers than they've had, that they really would have tried to shoot something really hot or really some kind of big crazy brawl or something to try to really sell the Rumble. But it was just, yeah, yeah it was just kind of a, it almost felt like the, the Rumble was two weeks away or something. Like, this felt like, didn't really feel like a go-home show. It felt like, we're getting close, but we're not quite there yet, type of show.
0: Yeah, it was it was strange in that they had to try to serve two masters there. But as you said, they really didn't try to serve the Rumble Master all that much until the last segment. Um, and I guess with the opening segment with the women in the last segment with Braun and Brock and Kane... Um, There was a lot of speculation Undertaker was going to come back and shoot an angle (laughs) for uh, his WrestleMania match with John Cena on this show. And all reports this week still um, indicate that that is on the books for WrestleMania. But I texted you after Undertaker's promo and (laughs) asked, did he decide while he was out there that he's not doing mania? Like, he got this weird promo that seemed to set up for a line where he challenged John Cena or said that he was going to add one more name to all of the souls that he put down over the years, all the legendary names, and he didn't, and he just walked off, and Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler were were left to respond to lines that he never said. What did you make of that (laughs) weird taker promo?
1: Yeah, it was short and... Right. If I didn't know that everyone everyone has reported that uh, that Taker and Cena is on the books, yeah, I would have thought this was like a retirement promo and that they're going to announce he's going into the Hall of Fame or something. And this is really it. But uh, as far as we know, uh, he's he's still wrestling this year. So um, I don't know if it's because they he's not going to be back for another two months, or they're not gonna, they're just going to wait. But again, I mean, this is the raw where where the most amount of people are going to be watching, so if you're going to get your big sort of mainstream grab the casual fan match like they did with Undertaker and Shane a couple of years ago, um, that's I mean this is certainly the place you would think to do it, um, and instead Undertaker just sort of came out and cut again what you said is is pretty accurate it felt it was sort of weird and. Uh, rambling, and then he said, "It's time for everyone to rest in peace," and did his pose. So it it didn't feel, and and yes, and then Jim Ross is like, "Was that a was that a challenge? Was that a warning?" And it's like, "No, dude, didn't... <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't at all." But I guess that's what he was told to say. So I don't know. Maybe Undertaker forgot his line. I don't know if I mean maybe they didn't want him to specifically call out Cena, but they wanted him to. Imply it more heavily, and he just forgot what he was supposed to say. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it was it was a weird segment and a and a kind of an odd use of Undertaker, um, on this show that was kind of full of odd uses of the old timers, I guess, with the exception of Steve Austin, who did exactly what Steve Austin should do, which is beat up the McMahon family, and uh, didn't didn't give Steve Austin a chance to talk. Uh, again, we uh, we had time for. For a long Matt Hardy match. But we didn't have time to let Steve Austin say any words. On
0: we the had, show. We had multiple brother love appearances. We had, yeah. we had a, a peep show for crying out loud. We had yeah. a, vi- a video package tribute to Edge. Look, I love Edge. I, I never saw a bad Edge match in my entire life. The guy's great. He doesn't get recognized enough by that company but I think of him more as a SmackDown guy and on a show. Yeah. It felt very strange that he got like a two minute video package and the drifter got multiple segments and Steve Austin could not, uh, had to cut his promo on. Dot com, but yes,
1: <laughs> yes. So some very, very odd choices, but I guess if you're looking for the silver lining, it's that Elias and the Balor club and Braun all got to stand tall or have some kind of cool moment so it's you know that's more to try to build new guys than they've done in a while uh i was thinking about that as the one guy from like the 2006 to 2011 era that they brought back was mvp and i was thinking like i honestly don't know who else they would bring back i guess like like Barrett was with the company too recently. Like the Nexus guys that they fired were probably with the company too recently to bring them back for a nostalgia show. Um, But it's like this, they, I mean, they haven't made any stars since 2005 and that's not, that's not breaking news. I know. And they, they've sort of tried with guys like Roman and Seth, they've made, you know, stars to an extent, but if you compare them to, uh, you know the the reactions that guys like Austin or Cena got on this show. There's there's really no comparison. So, uh, seeing them at least try a little bit to put a, at least some of the spotlight on the young guys on this you know highest highest viewed Raw of the year. I guess there's a silver lining in that. Maybe
0: agreed. Really, the revival are the only new stars that ended up looking like geeks on this show something something poetic about triple h pedigree (laughs) dash or dawson whichever one he laid out at the end of the show but
1: (laughs) And, and let me just add um to people that maybe don't like roman reigns or don't like the general direction of the company over the last uh five years or so uh vince mcmahon and triple h were out there um and they got, like, cheers and bowing motions, and, you know, you sang their songs and did their catchphrases with them. So uh maybe pick your... Next time you decide to, like, hijack a random women's match to, to you know, to voice your displeasure, maybe just think about the fact that uh you had... You, you kind of had your chance, and... But, you know, that's Papa Paul... You know, NXT the father of NXT, I guess, is immune from that criticism and and Vince, the character, is is still a legend, so he's immune too. So we'll we'll just take out our frustrations on uh I don't know. We'll tweet. Our, Cruise.
0: Yeah, we'll tweet <laughs> we'll tweet our displeasure.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe don't pay a thousand dollars to go to Raw and sit front row. No. I don't know. Maybe maybe don't do that and then I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm just saying you, those type of people that are like really displeased and really want to see change in the company. uh, That's your chance. That's your chance. If you want to really voice your displeasure, it's when those two guys are out there and they got the opposite of that type of response.
0: Before I, uh, before I make it weird and start talking about the women that were overlooked on this show, are there any uh, male legends that you anticipated um, showing up or were kind of pulling for a surprise for it that you didn't see. I can't think of any off the top of my head.
1: I mean, not really that. I mean, as far as people that sort of announced ahead of time, they wouldn't be there. I think Edge is filming the Vikings show. Uh, Brett's dealing with his health issues. And I guess Nash's as well. Um, so either that or they told him his segment was going to be involving putting over a short guy and he decided to just skip the flight. Um <laughs> It's
0: not, he just, it's not. He just had a knee replacement. He didn't want to I spawn. know.
1: I know. Yeah. Just it's it's a it's a meme. It's a joke. Uh, we're just playing it. a trick. I get um,
0: it. not meme based.
1: No, not meme based. But uh, yeah, other than those kind of big names that had already been clear, I thought there was maybe a chance that uh, The Rock might show up, just because it seems like he's the type of guy who would want to keep that stuff secret, and then show up last minute, but I mean, they they pretty much announced everybody ahead of time, and someone brought up on Twitter that maybe that's sort of part of the reason that the show felt underwhelming to some people was that everybody was already announced, so you didn't really have that big surprise pop or surprise moment because you kind of knew, I mean, everybody from Brother Love through uh, Steve Austin was announced ahead of time, so Maybe if they had kept a little more mystery, people would have felt a little more fondly. But, uh, yeah, as it was, there wasn't any big uh, male names I can really think of that stick out. Uh, What about
0: you? I mean, uh, you mentioned The Rock, and, yeah, I thought maybe there's a chance he shows up as a a surprise. Um, But, I mean, the only other name that they could pull out is Punk, and he quit on the company and is never coming back. (laughs) he is never yeah. he's never coming back. So like that's the yeah. only that's the only guy that could get that kind of uh, big surprise reaction now, right?
1: Batista's probably up there as well. I mean, he's yeah, not going to get the reaction point. Punk would get. But I mean, Batista had sort of been, I guess has given interviews over the last year talking about wanting to kind of come back and and have his one last run. So, I mean, yeah, I think may, or maybe because so many big names were announced in advance people expected one or two surprises that would be held off and then appear suddenly and they didn't really get that. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I mean, as far as the male side, yeah, rock. And I guess to a lesser extent, maybe Batista would be the the only names that I was, uh yeah, maybe even uh, a little bit expecting or thought there was a chance. <laughs>
0: All right. So, uh, as far as women that weren't on this show, obviously you have Sunny, and obviously for obvious reasons, I don't expect—I didn't expect her. Sure. Sable, uh, it's been you know fourteen, thirteen, fourteen years since she's been there. She's married to Brock. If she wanted to be a part of it, I'm sure she could have been. I assume she didn't have any interest. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't anticipating Sable. The two that kind of stand up to me are Victoria and I don't I assume they asked her. I don't know. Maybe she had something else going on. I don't follow her on Twitter or any of her social media. I don't know if if um she had something else going on, she couldn't make it or what, or if they just didn't ask her. I guess there's three. Victoria stuck out, Stacy Keebler stuck out. I think they're mad at her for being a star. And I think <laughs> she's she's like married and has a family now, and I could see her She's kind of falling off the face of the uh, celebrity earth. I could see her not... Um, I could see her both not getting an invite or her declining the invite. But Lita, Lita's been in the fold. Now, they fired her. <laughs> they released her from her Legends contract or whatever and her pre-show contract, you know, 18 months ago. But they've used her since. They've used her on pre-show panels. They used her on commentary for the Mae Young Classic. I yeah. just... I just assume when they weren't advertising her, you know, I know, I think she lives, she, she lives somewhere. Or she spends a lot of time like in Costa Rica or something. Like she is not always in North America, in North America. So I thought, well, maybe she's just, she's traveling or something. And then, but then she went on Twitter right after the show. And when a fan tweeted a photo of her, on the uh, commemorative chair from the event. And she's like, well, I didn't make the guest list, but at least I made the chair. Lita wasn't invited. What could they possibly be mad at Lita about?
1: (laughs) Uh, It's a great question. I mean, as, as is pointed out by you, she was there recently. Uh, She did the Mayan classic with JR. She was there for the live finale that they did on the network. So it seemed like they would at least be on good enough. They don't I mean? I even if they they didn't like her performance or whatever, I, I was I was a little surprised that she yeah she wouldn't get the invite. I mean, there's probably people that the company hadn't spoken to in in a decade that that got the invite for this show. So uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't I don't I don't see any reason outside of spite or. Uh, I mean, there's, there's the conspiracy part that you could be all, oh, maybe it's a big swerve and she's in the rumble on Sunday or something, but no, I think she, I mean, it doesn't make any sense because I think there's a chance that some of the other women we saw might be in the rumble and they were on the show. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, I don't really have any good answers for that. Why, why of all people, they would, they would be mad at Lita currently. And I mean, they, she was part of the, the video package and that's sort of part of their retroactive pretending we've always treated women like real people uh, thing <laughs> is that the the one example they have is the main, the raw main event by Trish and Lita in,
0: was that 04? Something like that. Yeah. But it was, it was like, a, I mean, even that was like a throwaway. It was like Christmas week or something that they knew they weren't going right. to draw a number anyway. But yeah, it, they do like to pull that out now.
1: Sure. And I mean, so I mean, in, in the the opening video package, they had a very prominent shot of her hitting the moonsault and holding up the belt. So they they acknowledged her and obviously she made it on the some of the advertising or I guess the yeah the commemorative chairs of the event. So I yeah, that's that's a bit of a head scratcher. Um, it's just weird. The, yeah, that's. We'll have to, as a, as is our trademark here, file that under "we'll see" because I, I really can't figure out what they would have to be mad. I, uh, I, I assume I, I know she's not. She doesn't seem the type that would like give an interview bashing the company or anything. And
0: and the o- the other thing that would disqualify you nowadays would be if you were part of any of the class action lawsuits relating to uh, concussions. And I right. don't believe she's part of any of those either.
1: Yeah, no not the not that I'm aware of. Um so that was yeah that's probably the biggest head scratcher when you're when you're honoring uh, I mean I mean people like I would think Terry Runnels would be like less <laughs> less likely to say yes maybe just I mean I guess I mean cuz her ex-husband still works for the company but um it's yeah there was of all the people to not have or not call for this show. That that is a glaring omission considering who was there for both men and women. I mean, that's, and she, she is, you know, she's in their hall of fame. She's part of the, you know, the legendary females, you know, the, the the five or six that they sort of throw out there, you know, of her and Trish and then the sort of the, you know, the older generation of, of Mae Young and Mula. like they're all there. She's one of the female legends. So it's, it's very weird that they, uh, they chose to, not include her if that is, in fact, what happened.
0: SmackDown this week, I would say the show was an improvement over last week in that there were two AJ Styles matches instead of two <laughs> Jinder Mahal matches on the show. Um, they yes. did, a, AJ wrestled Kevin Owens first in a very quick match, and then uh, Sami Zayn defeated AJ in the last match on the show. And it was really more angle than match. AJ kept running away from Sammy to beat up Kevin Owens, who was on the stretcher at ringside. Um, AJ is trying to get his licks in before he has to face both of them on Sunday. So storyline-wise, that made sense. They still teased Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon dissension. Shane played more of a babyface this week. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess any any uh, anything else I'm missing from SmackDown that we need to touch on?
1: Uh, Nakamura and Baron Corbin boldly flaunted convention from their feud last year and had a good wrestling match uh, <laughs> which I didn't think those two men were capable of having with each other uh, based on their feud from last summer but uh, yeah it was pretty pretty basic you had the, the segment with all the women came out and threw each other over the top rope pretty similar uh, they didn't have anyone stand as uh, dominantly tall as they had Asuka stand on Raw but they sort of put the shine on, or put the spotlight on, mostly on Becky Lynch and Naomi, uh, sort of clearing the ring, uh, as well as Natalia. But uh, so, they, uh, they, yeah, it was pretty, pretty simple. Nothing, nothing offensive. Nothing great. Just, just sort of a show.
0: So big weekend coming up. It's Rumble weekend, and we'll get into Rumble predictions maybe here in a moment. But first, uh, NXT Takeover Philadelphia is Saturday. Four matches have been announced as we're recording this. Uh, We're recording before NXT television airs this week. Sometimes they like to sneak a fifth or a fifth match on that card Thursday or Friday of the week if Triple H does a conference call with media. But as we're recording this, there are four matches on the show. Uh, The Undisputed Era versus the Authors of Pain for the NXT tag titles. Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT women's title. Alistair Black versus Adam Cole in an Extreme Rules match and Andrade Cien Almas with Zelina Vega taking on Johnny Gargano in a singles match for the NXT title. Um, my only standout on this, I mean, I expect the show to be awesome. All those matches sound, sound good. Um, I haven't seen a ton of Shayna Baszler. I watched her wrestle Candice LeRae in the Mae Young Classic a while back and neither one of them stuck out to me. Like I know Candice LeRae got signed, and I'm happy for her, and I'm happy for Johnny Gargano, but Candice LeRae was not very good in that May Young Classic. <laughs> um, but I guess the the real standout thing to me on this show is it feels like, boy, Johnny Gargano is probably the best guy in the whole, well, best or second best guy in the whole company. And I don't want to see him lose in his NXT title shot, but almost feels like a hot act and maybe it's not quite time to take the title off him yet. Do you have any thoughts on... So I, I, I'm kind of in a, in a conundrum there, but at this point, I would lean towards keeping the title on Almas and then maybe giving it to Gargano at the TakeOver Mania weekend. Um any thoughts on that? Any thoughts on the NFT TakeOver show on, uh, on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I, I expect it'll be a great show, as it always is. Uh, main event, uh, you mentioned Candice. I mean, the idea of them doing... Zelina cheats two or three times uh for for Almas and then you have Johnny's wife come out to even the odds seems kind of obvious to me if Johnny's if Johnny's winning the title um if he's not then I guess she shouldn't you should probably you should save that spot for when he wins the belt is was my point assuming he beats he would beat Almas for it um yeah, outside of that, not a not a lot of big thoughts. NXT TV's been pretty enjoyable. They've done some really effective work with Shayna Baszler, kind of playing a you know the bully character. Had her uh, really beat on uh, Dakota Kai a few weeks ago on NXT TV. Um, so they they've done some they've done some effective stuff. But uh, as far as the build, this one's this one's been fine. Uh, but yeah, as far as that main event goes, there is. There's the sudden reemergence of uh, Tommaso Ciampa's online presence. Mm. Um, he's been, you know, he tweeted some sort of he like screen capped a couple of Johnny Gargano's tweets with like "Congrats, buddy" or something like that as the as the caption. So, I mean, if if Gargano's not winning, I mean, that's sort of and and Ciampa is ready to come back. That's obviously the no brainer. Uh, is you have Gargano with the match one and then Champa comes out and which would also play into the, the first match Almas and and Gargano had was uh, Gargano had the match one and then Vega threw the DIY shirt at him. So if Gargano gets, gets close again and then Champa once again costs him the belt and then you Maybe, maybe I don't know. That's the other thing is of the next takeover is WrestleMania weekend. So that would that would probably delay Gargano winning the title until at least SummerSlam in that case. But maybe that's not the end of the world. Uh, if you if you have again, this is all predicated on whether or not uh Chomp is ready. But if he is, you have you have Gargano lose thanks to him, and then you do that match uh WrestleMania weekend and and maybe you do Alistair Black and, and Almas for the title as well. Um, so yeah, they've, they've got options, but uh, that, that's sort of all predicated. That's some fantasy booking based on, on, on Twitter stuff, but uh, it would certainly make sense if, if everybody's healthy, uh, that, that timeline sort of makes sense to me.
0: That's good thinking on your part. That's good thinking on your part. I could, I mean, we know it's a matter of time before Cole ends up with that championship. And if Cole and, (laughs) if Cole and Black are feuding, I could see Black taking the title from Almas at uh, the Mania takeover, Almas going to the main roster and having Black and Cole feud for a while over the title and Gargano and Ciampa feud underneath that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Good call by you. I think that's what they're doing. Um, the Rumble show. The SmackDown tag titles, the Usos versus Gable and Benjamin, the Raw tag titles, the Bar versus Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins, the WWE title match, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the Universal title match, Brock versus Kane versus Braun Strowman, the Women's Royal Rumble match, and the Men's Royal Rumble match. I don't expect either of the singles titles to change, do you?
1: Uh no. Like like I said, based on them putting Braun over so strong, uh it did kind of make me scratch my head for a minute and think about it, but uh until we're proven otherwise, I'm pretty sure we're getting Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for that title at WrestleMania. And I don't think they I, I just can't imagine them doing all this work to put so much equity into Brock. You know, nobody's kicked out of an F five in like a year. Uh, just to have him lose the belt in a three way at the Rumble, I think they're I think no matter what, Brock is keeping this belt till Mania.
0: Uh, the tag titles they could switch. Th- they could switch either one. I wouldn't be surprised if they switch either one. I don't necessarily relish a couple of more months of the bar and anybody <laughs> in the Shield wrestling each other, but feels like maybe that's what we're going to get there. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if either tag titles changed. Um, any thoughts on the tag matches or should we just go straight to rumble picks?
1: I think we're, we're, we we got to be getting ready to see what they're going to do with Seth at WrestleMania. Um, he's coming off beating Triple H clean in the middle uh, with Triple H's own move last year. So, I, I mean, based on that Raw, based on that peep show segment, that really seems like their turn, you know, Jason Jordan is basically playing, the Kurt Angle 1999, you know, quote unquote, good guy that you know the crowd hates and is basically a heel, um, because he's such a you know nice guy, um, so with and obviously they played up the the miscommunication factor of Seth and Jordan. So, I mean, I, yeah, I would think maybe based on that finish, you kind of know where where they have maybe what they have going for 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 seth heading into wrestlemania how much emphasis is put on him um i know we talked about i think a little bit about maybe the idea of him and balor just by process of elimination Mm -hmm. um being being in a match so you know potentially we could see something like that maybe being teased and and it, it it always depends on what they feel like on the given year as to whether guys who wrestle early in the show will also be in the rumble so, yeah, but I could I could see something happening on the show that kind of gives us a hint towards where Seth's headed.
0: They've as we're as we are recording, they've announced 18 of the female participants for the Women's Royal Rumble match. I'm not going to name all of them because to me, it's a two-woman race and one of the names hasn't been announced. <laughs> Either Asuka's winning this thing or Ronda Rousey's winning this thing. Am I crazy or do you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that seems super obvious. Um, I don't. I don't know who else. I was watching the segment on on SmackDown this week where they had all the all these SmackDown women kind of come out and brawl, and it's like, well, Natalia's not winning, Carmella's not winning, uh, Naomi's not winning. Uh, I mean, there's like, if a woman from SmackDown was gonna win, I I'm probably foolish to get my hopes up here, but I think it would be Becky Lynch. But uh, which goes against. The history it goes against my principle of betting against them ever wanting to have Becky lose. They like, hate her. Always bet on Becky Lynch losing. It, there's a few things that it's never bad to bet on if you're if you do betting uh, in WWE. One is Triple H winning clean with his pedigree. Uh one is Becky Lynch losing. So in, uh, even even to this day, I think those are both two two somewhat safe bets to make. So I'm not sure if there was, yeah, if there was a woman from SmackDown, I would say it's, it would be Becky, but I, I don't think that's likely. I think, I think Asuka, Asuka and Ronda, I don't know if, I mean, Ronda winning means they're not doing that, that horsewoman match that they've been teasing forever though. Right.
0: Right. Well, it was in the observer, maybe three or four weeks ago that uh, Marina Shafir has stopped training uh, for wrestling, uh, um, and who's the other one? Jessamyn Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, has, the, those two have stopped stopped wrestling training, and that it was only Ronda that was still continuing to train. So that tells you right there. They probably have called off that horsewomen match. If the two inexperienced, uh, you know, two of the three inexperienced pro wrestlers are no longer training wrestling, well, that probably tells you that. Plans changed.
1: <laughs> at least not anytime soon, anyway.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, eventually, I think at some point we have to get that at some point, but that might not be till SummerSlam or next year or whatever. I guess it depends. Like, I'm trying to envision what kind of a deal Rhonda would agree to. Would she, it feels like a waste to have her work weekly television, but obviously she's not working house shows. Would it be a Brock kind of deal or would it be even less? Do you have any sense for what, <laughs> what she'd be willing to work?
1: I mean, my thought was even less. My thought was like, it's the, it would be like, like post 2008 Shawn Michaels type schedule, like a 2009 or like 2009, 2010, 2011 undertaker schedule where he, the work mania and like two other shows. And they're not going to they're not going to call. It. So you know, maybe that is basically the Brock schedule, um, like Brock, but a little less was what my my thought process was for it.
0: That makes sense. Well, I, I guess we'll see. I guess there have been conflicting reports about whether or not Rhonda's going to be available for the show. Uh, I guess she's filming a movie or something. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see what happens on Sunday. There's some intrigue there, and these things usually leak out the day of the show or the day before the show. Interesting that for the the Saturday Night House Show, the Saturday Night uh, Raw House Show in Baltimore that we we're attending this week, they're no longer advertising any women for the show. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah, that was uh, an odd choice. Um, does that I, mean they're they're going to be busy practicing stuff? Or
0: that's that's what I thought. I thought well, the problem is they're running nxt in the same building as uh right <laughs> but i i would imagine that means they want everybody there really early sunday morning or overnight saturday night into sunday to practice that was my takeaway but maybe i'm just reading too much into that like the women are so much a part of the show now that i have a difficult time imagining them doing a card without them doing a house show card without them
1: but I think titus o'neill's gonna work four times at this show
0: <laughs> oh lord <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord.
1: (laughs) Rhino and Braun Strowman are going 60 minutes, brother.
0: Oh, my gosh. Time in the draw. Oh, man. Well, the men's Royal Rumble. You have a theory. 17 men have been announced for the show, nine SmackDown guys, eight Raw guys. I guess the internet rumblings to this point have seemed to maybe point towards Shinsuke Nakamura or being a SmackDown guy with Roman somehow getting backdoored in so that the rumble crowd doesn't uh, revolt and potentially riot. (laughs) But you think maybe something else is up.
1: Yeah, no, I think Roman's winning. Um, Based partially on the fact that there's local advertising for the SmackDown February show. And obviously that stuff can change. It's not set in stone. But they are advertising a five-way for the world title for SmackDown. And Nakamura and Orton and Owens and Zayn are in that match along with AJ. So if it was a SmackDown guy, it would be Orton or Nakamura. Orton just won last year. I didn't think there was a great chance he was winning. But, I mean, Nakamura is the obvious SmackDown name of a guy who they've basically kept apart from AJ and uh, you know would, would seemingly be a... That would be the you know the 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 hardcore fans main event uh, you know in the way that like the year they did Jericho and Punk on the same show with with uh, you know Undertaker and Hunter and Rock and Cena that's year yeah your, you know, that's, that's the hardcore main event um, so I I, I, and I and I think there's a chance a good chance they're probably still heading towards that but uh, that being said I based on that advertising and just that general feel Roman lost. I mean, we lost the title this week. Lost the IC title, um, pretty cleanly. I mean, not not really clean. There's lots of interference and mischeated, but a more decisive win than you might have expected. And to me, that feels like mm, they're throwing. They're trying to throw you off the scent. Uh, no, I think I think Roman Reigns is going to win. I think he's going to win the t- I think he's going to win the Royal Rumble, and he's going to face Brock at WrestleMania and. Nakamura may in fact end up being the guy who faces Styles, but uh, I mean just based on SmackDown this week, generally the you know the guy who wins the rumble is at least kept pretty strong or is is focused on to a certain extent even if he's not the guy left standing at the end of it. But I mean Nakamura had a had a match with Baron Corbin and then got laid out uh, by Randy Orton. So I just I don't feel like that's the and really Nakamura hasn't been on TV that much. In, in the last few months, he was Shane's lackey at the last SmackDown pay-per-view him and Orton were. And then it just doesn't feel like this is what they do when they're trying to heat a guy up for, uh, for the, for the rumble for the, you know, for a big push to get him in a hotter spot than he's been, you know, ever in his time in WWE. So yeah, I just, I just get the feeling, I don't know, maybe, 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 I mean, when people said the stuff about, it, like, oh, they they don't want the crowd to turn on on the show, and if Roman if Roman wins, the crowd will go insane. It's like, yeah, I don't I don't know that they care, and I think they kind of rebel in that reaction to an extent when they go to those really hardcore towns. And with an event like the Rumble, people are traveling for it anyway. So this is as hardcore as hardcore crowds get outside of maybe the the night after Mania. So yeah, I kind of think they just like. They want to do Roman and Roman just had a a loss and they want to rehab him. And so, yeah, I think he's going to win the Royal rumble. Uh, do you have any instincts as to where this is going? Am am I crazy in thinking that they would have done more with Nakamura if he was winning?
0: No, you're right. That all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wish I could build a strong counter argument, but you laid everything out very logically. And yes, it sure doesn't feel like they're putting a, a bunch of steam behind Nakamura. And uh, SmackDown is such a weird show. Like, <laughs> Jinder Mahal wrestled twice last week, and yet Nakamura can't get on TV half the time. There's still. Uh, Orton doesn't wrestle on TV all that much. <laughs> and yet all the women are in a multi-person segment every week. They have to rush to get all the women on the show together in the same segment. And <laughs> still you got, yeah. guy, you got guys working twice. It's such a weird show.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I mean that show, especially last week, um, we, uh, we, we sort of touched on it briefly at the start of our show last week. Uh, it was, uh, news broke while we were recording, but yeah, they they obviously Owens was hurt or beat up or ill or whatever the deal was where he didn't work house shows last weekend and and he didn't work TV, but yeah, you know who else didn't work TV? Randy Orton and Nakamura and AJ Styles was kept to a backstage uh, promo, uh, and they <laughs> instead chose to do. It's like the best match on SmackDown last week was that was the Bobby Roode and Mojo match, and that was the shortest match. Of the of the title tournament stuff, not that I'm clamoring for a lot of long Mojo Raleigh matches, but if 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 you're asking me to to pick between that and another long Jinder Mahal match, yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd like the the one match that I thought was kind of good to go a little longer. But yeah, it's it's an odd show. So yeah, maybe 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 they are maybe they're by not drawing attention. You could make the argument by not drawing a ton of attention. Nakamura there you know that's that's because he's gonna win and it'll be a bigger surprise like maybe but yeah I really I really get the feeling that just based on their lack of heating up anybody for Smackdown and uh, the fact that Roman did such a clean job uh, yeah I think I think Roman's winning and I think they kind of revel in him getting that that really visceral reaction even if it's people booing him because, again, they all paid $1,000 to sit front row to boo him. So I think they kind of revel in that.
0: Oh, my word. Well, we got that to look forward to this weekend. Royal <laughs> Rumble is always fun. I'm sorry. We got, a house, we, got a house show. we got a house show with Brock and Kane wrestling. <laughs> That'll be something. <sighs> got anything else or should we get out of here?
1: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I let the air out of the balloon. Um, I again, I you can make you can dance, dan- you can try to make an argument. You can try to make an argument that they that they're they're not doing what I think they're doing. I don't I don't know. Trying to psychoanalyze the way they book top guys in 2018 is a is a good way to give yourself a headache so i mean who who even knows but yeah just based on that i think i think roman's winning and as you as you pointed out for the women's match it seems like it's a a two-woman race for that i mean maybe I, i was also just looking at is there a big surprise from nxt that could come up and i there's not really a name that sticks out to me as a guy that could win and challenge for the smackdown title um that's so like just by nation, if it's not nakamura i think it's reigns
2: oh,
0: i can't argue with you i can't argue with you i can't argue with you <laughs> well it's the wrestling life big wrestling weekend coming up um, i just realized I mean, we're going to be at a house show while takeover's going on i'll have to watch that on demand later
1: yeah that's that is the the lovely part uh the, the nice part of living one of the nicer things of living in twenty eighteen is uh, is that network thing is uh, is it's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: and uh happy birthday, pal. I'll be at your house for your birthday Thanks, party buddy. and to watch the Rumble on Sunday. So uh, happy birthday, Liam. Happy wrestling weekend, everyone. And until next time I'm Ethan. You know I'm Liam And we we will be back very soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Bye bye. It a big show. They averaged well over 4 million viewers. Hey, give me one second. Sure.
1: Hey, I'm recording my podcast. Can you guys use your inside voices? <laughs> no problem. You didn't know. Just if we could stop, you know, shouting at the dogs or singing songs about them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we're back. Okay, so I was listening to the fan today and I I, I want to I I mean I know probably what your heart's going to say. Right. But uh Messina Hall of Fame, yes or no?
0: Here's the thing. You know I hate halls of fame. Halls of fame are yes. stupid.
1: They should they have the wrong name. Words have meaning.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Was Mike Messina famous? <laughs> well, as as baseball players go, eh, he wasn't a superstar. You know what I mean? Kurt right. Kurt Schilling was more bombastic and had more postseason success, and and you know uh, won two world titles. But Messina has better regular season numbers than Schilling, and if you look at Messina's postseason ERA, I don't know since when we're counting postseason stuff in somebody's Hall of Fame case, but his postseason ERA was like 344 or something, and his career his career ERA was right around 350 or something. So it's like he did not win a lot of postseason games, but he was the same pitcher in the postseason that he was in the regular season. Schilling, right. t- Schilling cranked it up a notch or whatever. But Chilling ended up with, like, 211 wins or, or 221 or something like that. And Messina, was it 268 or 270? Yeah. To me, a right-hand, right-handed pitcher pitching in the American League East in the steroid era. Yeah, that was, that
1: that was the winning. point Garceau was making. It was like, imagine having as much success as he did in the era that he pitched.
0: In, in the American League East, where you're playing in Camden Yards, Fenway... Mm-hmm. And Yankee Stadium. <laughs> As saying, he,
1: like, people freaked out about how the new Yankee Stadium was such a home run magnet. But it's not like old Yankee Stadium was, you know, a pitcher's dream either. And he pitched, what, seven years there? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, or eight years, I think. He's like the – the he, was, he went there after 2000 season, and I think 08 was his last year. Okay. he's, he's the, Yeah, he signed a six-year $87 million deal or whatever. And then he got two more years at around forty. He's like the only free agent pitcher who that a long term contract worked out, and he got (laughs) and he got another contract after that. (laughs) That's that's, (laughs) yeah, that's that's a point
1: in his favor. I mean, longevity and yeah, success in when he spent most of his time pitching in Camden Yards and Yankee Stadium is. I mean that's a pretty strong endorsement. Not if even if you don't want to just look at stats. And they were interviewing somebody, some base, some baseball journalist from MLB Network, who uh, I guess has a voter. And he always says he's like, you know, I always understand there are the guys who say I just look at numbers and that's how I vote, or you know, if this guy has even a whiff of PEDs around him, I'm never gonna vote for that guy. He's like, I get all of those points of view. But I mean, as, as cliche as it is to look, any he, like he he was making the case for Egg, Edgar Martinez.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: said that like for years I didn't vote for him, and then I started talking to his peers, to other people that played with him, people who pitched against him, and every like so many of them said he's the best I ever saw. Mm-hmm. He was the best hitter I ever saw, and he's like, and that changes mine. And now this guy votes for Edgar Martinez to go into the Hall of Fame every year. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder you know messina i mean is he first ballot probably not cuz nobody is for whatever weird reason but except for you know the the big exceptions but it's like yeah he as far as i know there's no pd stink around him right right and he had success while the other guys were uh doing that and right as you said he has better numbers than than some guys who probably will be in the in the HOF. So yeah, I, I just found that interesting because like to Might like when I first thought about it, I was like, mightn't have seen a Hall of Fame. And then I I looked at his I looked up his numbers and I listened to Garceau and whoever talk about it. And I was like, yeah, no, I think I think again <laughs> Halls of Fame are stupid, I like that. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I, like I think he belongs. I, as you mentioned, he's not maybe that's why because he didn't he wasn't a character <laughs> Right. He wasn't in, a, well, in an era. He was, era a,
0: he was with... a he was a dick. That was the right. that's the other thing too. Is he was a dick to the media and it's the media that votes on it. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, it's, it's yeah, it's an era with guys like Randy Johnson and Pedro and guys like that who were characters as well as being great and
0: yeah. Well, he was Messina was the best pitcher in baseball in 2001. And you can make the argument that he was the best pitcher in the American League in 95. The only other. Excuse me. Um, Randy Johnson is the only guy who was like even close to him in 95. Oh, mm-hmm. one o- his first year in New York. He had like a ERA right at three. He won nineteen, eighteen, 18 or 19. He had ridiculous whip. He struck out a ton of guys like he's, <sighs> yeah i think i think the younger voters who are more if you go by you know war and all the sabermetric stuff he's like the 29th best starting pitcher ever <laughs> uh, or, or i've i've looked this up <laughs> on on baseball reference or whatever mm-hmm. so, like he's i think the younger voters that tend to look more at into the statistical stuff and don't look at win-loss record yeah he, are are more apt to vote for him he's like an this is like his fifth year on the ballot. Like I think he's gonna get, get in before the ten years, you know. He'll, or, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll get in. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bagwell's a guy that he got in last year and you mentioned the PED thing and it was like, you know, I, I don't know how how you vote on the PED guys. Like the everybody oh like everybody's like, MLB didn't have a policy against it. It's like, well, it was against federal law. (laughs) So that's a pretty good policy. But okay, if your thing is, I'm only going to, you know, it's only guys that ever failed tests or that were in the Mitchell Report or whatever. I never thought of Jeff Bagwell as a steroid user. And Mm -hmm. then about about two weeks ago, I saw a photo of him (laughs) from his his prime. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, he's on so much (laughs) stuff. He looked like somebody put a uh, an air uh, – yeah, he looked like a tire that mm-hmm. someone had overinflated. <laughs> I
1: thought that about – I remember watching that uh, that Ken Burns baseball documentary. I think it was the year that, that – oh, one season when the Diamondbacks and the Yankees were in the World Series. It's like Luis Gonzalez hit like 47 home runs that year, and he wasn't like in the top – he was like – I don't even know if he was in the top three – in national yeah. league and home runs that year. Yeah. It's like there were so many guys doing so many steroids Yeah, that, that just never, as you mentioned, never failed the test or, you know, who some other high, high profile player didn't mention by name. Um, and so they got away with it. Or there's the Jason Giambi thing where you just say, yeah, I did it. And then everybody just kind of forgives you and you get to play for another 15 years. <laughs>
0: That's where it's so stupid. It's like it, this is a thing that's voted on. It's like there's no metric, right? <laughs> for yes, you deserve to be in the in the baseball museum. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's it's eye tests and it's talking to peers and it's numbers and your gut and but you have to you know morals and all. It's oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> um. I another point to make, but it's probably not important. But uh. <laughs> Oh, Manny Ramirez. You're talking about, oh, Edgar, yeah, yeah. talking about Edgar Martinez. And it's like I know Manny failed tests at the end of his career when he was 37, 38 years old or whatever. Manny Ramirez is the best right-handed hitter of my childhood, at least, or, you know, my, mm-hmm. my young adulthood. He's the best right-handed hitter I saw before A-Rod probably, and he was probably a better pure hitter than A-Rod. And it's mm-hmm. like man, not going to get He's not going to get into the Hall of Fame because he failed the steroid tests. It's like that guy. That guy's the best right-handed hitter, and he tried to extend his prime past thirty-five by juicing up. Like, right? Like, like I don't know. Like, how do you? How do you? Where do you draw the line? <laughs> and when they're
1: so clearly like better than everybody around them. It's yeah. like even if it's like if he was half as good, he'd still be twice as good as everybody else. Yeah, like there's there's something to that, um, and that's I think almost an area where where the stats help. It's like okay, subtract, you know, you yeah, ten home runs and twenty five RBIs from every year. Is he still amazing every year? Yeah, he is. Like whatever. And then you have to right try to do math and decide. What you think he would have hit, or or something like that? You know, guys like him in Bonds, or or guys like that. It always makes me. I mean, Bonds was just so obvious because he turned into the Hulk.
0: But (laughs) he turned into the Hulk, started hitting seventy homers as he turned forty. He walked. He set like he owns like the top four Major League Baseball single season walk totals. Mm -hmm. Like his on base percentage in his final season when he was like forty two or whatever was like 5.56. (laughs) He got on base more than half the time because he walked 200 times and 50 Mm -hmm. of those times were intentional and another 100 of those 200 times were pitching around him. Like, Mm -hmm. when he's 41 or whatever. Like, that was insane. Now, Clemens is a guy where the whole, oh, he was a Hall of Famer before he started taking stuff argument doesn't really work because Clemens had 10 years Ten years where he was a good pitcher, and then his last year in Boston, Father Time, man, and then he and then he went to Tor- <laughs> and then he went to Toronto, and juiced up won two Cy Youngs, and then had his whole Yankees Houston run where he was gassed up the whole time. He added eight years to his career by gassing up. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't like that when he's included in the all he was, he was a hall of famer before he started taking stuff. Mm -hmm. No, his, his body quit on him his last year in Boston.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Another interesting one I heard uh, is Trevor Hoffman. I guess people were making the argument. He only pitched like one inning a night. So does he, does, I guess that was more, that's like more of a philosophical issue of whether or not you think how important you think the closer
0: position is. But that's that's a weird one because you know, Your worst starter is going to throw, what, 150 innings? And your best reliever, your best reliever, your most important reliever is going to throw 70? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he's impacting, you know, 55 of the 70 games that he's in. (laughs) And I feel like the more, you know, the more that relief pitchers are used and, you know, all the big free, the only big free agent contracts so far this winter have been to relievers. It's like you're going to have to start putting a bunch of relievers in the Hall of Fame, whether it's mm-hmm. t- 10 years from now, whatever. Hoffman, what? Hoffman's the second best closer of his generation.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way I looked at it. I mean, I think what Mariano is available next year and yeah. I think, I think starting next year and they just, I just, I just saw the names the other day, but uh, I think he's on the list. And then I think Jeter's the year after him, but yeah, yeah, uh, right. yeah, like like Mar- like Mariano. Like, does anyone doubt that like Mariano Rivera should be in this dumb Hall of Fame? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, if you want to make like, I'm looking at the names now. It's like Vlad Guerrero and Jim Tomey, I guess are on the list this year.
0: Yeah,
1: it's like okay, those guys maybe are maybe you can make the case are more borderline or something. But and and people always make the case with with Clemens, and I I heard the same thing with Palmero, which is that if he had just geombed it if they had just admitted it they'd mm-hmm. be there they'd be heroes they'd be you know welcome back as part of the old timers day yeah for you know for for their parks and instead they have to be pariahs and, and i was like also they were dicks <laughs> to yeah. everyone right like that's that's why but um,
0: the, th- the thing that I, I don't like that Palmero has been so vilified for wagging his finger in front of Congress and saying he mm-hmm. never used steroids, because for all I know, to that point in his life, maybe he hadn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Now, then to, yeah, to say, oh, well, he was a hypocrite. And then he went and juiced up when he was 38 years old or whatever. OK. But everybody always brings up, oh, he wagged his finger in front of Congress. It's like, well, right. he hadn't failed. He didn't fail a test for three more years. <laughs> Right. That's,
1: yeah, that's that's an important part of it. Yeah, I read. Fox, I think Fox Sports did an article like a year ago or so where they interviewed him, and he kind of talked about, you know, how that, when he came off the suspension in his last year in Baltimore and how there was fans making, you know, mean signs about him and how that just destroyed him. And, you know, he still maintains to the day that he never took any. And it's like, yeah, dude, but if you had just said you did <laughs> and – and you weren't you weren't a dick like you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't be in exile like
0: yeah or even if you came out of the times that oh yeah Miguel Tejada was passing syringes around the locker room and telling everybody there were B12 <laughs> shots and we were all right. idiots and said okay and stuck needles in our asses <laughs> and, you know right but he you know he didn't you know he's attempting a comeback this year
1: yes i did read that <laughs> what Sounds I, hilarious.
0: Jim Palmer tried to come back when he was like 46 or something, and that was too much.
1: <laughs> he didn't make it out of spring training, right?
0: Correct. Okay. Correct. He got hurt and sucked and, and didn't make it. <laughs> that was like 19, like, I remember that. That was like 1990 or something. Um, I was a small child, but Palmero right. is much older than Palmer was. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's
1: like fifty four or something, fifty
0: five. Yes, it is pure insanity.
1: <laughs> it's like I was like, is this some weird publicity stunt? Like, is it 'cause because he has sons that are in college? Like, is he he's just trying to like get his name back out there so people are are willing to draft his sons or something? Like, I was trying
0: to figure out like what he has the a kid. Yeah, I don't know. He has a kid in the Orioles minor league system, Preston.
1: That's right. Okay, yeah. So I was like, is he is he trying to? is this like his sort of soft entrance back into the the news, the baseball news world and he wants to try to go get an analyst job or, it's or
0: something. The, it's the aging jock who doesn't understand <laughs> that father time is undefeated as evidenced that's, by that's that Raw 25 I show. Want,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be that sad. Like I want it to be a secret <laughs> plan. <laughs> I don't want it's it to be that he's just plan. old and crazy. <laughs> yes, I want like Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. I want it to be a secret plan. A secret plan. <laughs> and not just that he's old and crazy.
0: <laughs> no, I think he's old and, I think he's
2: old and crazy. <laughs> Fair. I try to keep on keeping on.